Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. on this week's show, answering your questions about all of the streaming options, big news about upcoming CONMEBOL World Cup qualifiers, latest update about Scottish Premiership rights, Lazio and Inter TV have arrived in the US, more details about the NISA final on US streaming, plus we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya and Kartik it's been a lot of soccer from this past week it's, it's um, I mean it seems to be that uh, actually I think this past weekend I was tweeting on Monday, uh, Sunday morning I was like there were so many games to choose from so many good games at the same exact time there was a massive match in uh, the Bundesliga I think it was the, the Hoffenheim against Bayern match I think Valencia and actually Atleti was playing in La Liga you had uh, Luis Suarez making his uh, debut for Atleti uh, you had a good game in the Premier League and, and, and much, much more. Sometimes that's the challenge that we have is trying to figure out what are the best games to watch. And you never know. So we end up flipping channels sometimes or we kind of stick with one and hoping it gets better. Uh, sometimes it's a roll of the dice. But for, for you from this past week, what was your favorite match that stood out? The Bayern Sevilla match. I mean, my favorite match was the Bayern Hoffenheim match because of uh, the result and because Hoffenheim really controlled that match. Uh, but in terms of the quality of game, it would be the Bayern Sevilla uh, and plus uh, 30 minutes of bonus football, the European Super Cup. Yeah, and usually, now this is for, as for, from my perspective, you, usually the UEFA Super Cup is a tournament that I don't have a lot of interest in. It's I will watch it, and I watched it this this season too. Obviously, the the winners between the uh, the Champions League winner against the Europa League winner, and uh, Sevilla is a fantastic team. I mean, it's a team that always does well in European competitions. Uh, the Europa League is is their tournament. Uh, Bayern, which right now are just uh, I mean almost unstoppable, except for that Hoffenheim Hoffenheim uh, shocker. Um, but the game itself, it was exciting, definitely. It went down to the wire. And uh, and who won it, Kartik? Javi Martinez. Oh. <laughs> right, well, Bayern Munich, right? Bayern, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which uh, I, I don't know. I thought in this one, I thought that Sevilla would pull, pull out a victory. And then actually, they really pressured Bayern a lot. 
But but what for you made it to your game of the week? What was uh, in particular about this match? The way Sevilla was able to create chance after chance after chance inside the 90, the way uh, Bayern's midfield seemed a little more open than they typically are. Now, that would continue at the weekend, but I think there were some personnel changes when they played Hoffenheim. So that was it. I mean, Sevilla creating more chances than I thought they would, but then Bayern in the end getting the winner. Yeah, and for me, my favorite match of the week was uh, Roma against uh, Juventus. This one ended in a uh, 2-2 tie. Uh, this was really a match between really two skilled sides. And and the pendulum swung from side to side. It, at, at one point, it looked like it was going to be Juventus certainly winning this game. And then Roma came back, and it looked like Roma was going to win it. And uh, uh, Eden Dzeko, uh, a couple of chances uh, to score, as he always has, right? He, he's always in that uh, kind of a... Kind of a poacher in the in the box, but um, went down to the very last minute. Uh, it looked like it, it could have been a, a winner for either side. And in a commentary by Dave Farrar and Stuart Robson, two of the two of my favorites. I mean, Dave uh, does a lot of uh, Serie A matches, and you'll hear his voice a lot of times on some of the Premier League productions and some of the IMG uh, content that they do. He has a very um, unmistakable voice and a very a very clean voice and Stuart Robson of course you mean one of the scholars of the game uh someone who's always a pleasure to listen to and I, I never get tired of him so what else from this past past week Kartik that stood out anything else that uh I, I know you've been busy with uh the elections and uh working on the kind of the political side but anything else st- uh, stands out that you want to mention um I, I think it was great to have Steve Sharundalo doing co-coms for the for the world feed on the Augsburg Dortmund match. Which, by the way, Dortmund looked terrible in that match. They looked a little better in today's German. Well, we're recording this Wednesday night for the listeners. Uh, today was the German Super Cup. They looked better in that match. They looked like the better side for most of that match, in my opinion. Uh, although Favre made a number of changes because you have five substitutions in Germany this year and. After he made the changes, they didn't look very good, and, and Byron got a winner. But uh, Chirondolo doing co-coms was really cool. Um, Reese Oxford playing for Augsburg, a guy we've forgotten about, but was a, looked like he was destined to be a star at 16 at West Ham. Another young English player in the Bundesliga. So that, that match was interesting for me. Uh, I, I felt like uh, the analysis of Manchester City and Leicester was um, was fairly poor on NBC. I mean, they were they were hammering... Manchester City's performance, as they should. But there doesn't seem to be a recognition among the pundits uh, on NBC that this is part of a consistent pattern since February, let's say February 1st of this year, where Manchester City have looked poor regularly when they play good opponents. Uh, and when they play uh, Spurs, uh, Manchester United, I mean, I, the, the match right before COVID would seem to be forgotten about because of COVID. Arsenal in the FA Cup semifinal, Leon in the Champions League. So it, it feels like the the commentators and the studio team wants to pull their punches on Pep Guardiola. It also indicates to me Manchester City are not a very big club in reality. That's a club I support, but they're not a big club because any other uh, it, it, at, a, at a truly big club, this number of really shocking results where your team gets played off the pitch and you and you look horrible in the process would have the manager under serious serious fire. And that would have happened last season after the Arsenal game, the FA Cup semifinal. So that stood out for me. I mean, it was almost like they were making excuses for. Pep saying the players don't look interested, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that that uh, disappointed me. And then I would say the other thing 
that really stood out for me. Now saying something very good about those same AD, that same NBC studio team, and this is something you reported on a few weeks ago, Chris. Peacock on Monday, they were much more in depth in their conversations and their analysis. And uh, I have to think that this is now kind of a deliberate thing where they're wanting us to sign up for Peacock so you get the more detailed studio show. So it's almost like uh, Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl are giving – they have three different tracks they're on. One is a, a, a two Robbies track for their podcast. One is a more detailed deep dive on Peacock, and one is a very scratch-the-surface uh, – lot of hyperbole type stuff on NBCSN. So to me, that was pretty revealing. Again, it's the second straight week we've made this observation that the that their Peacock studio show, and it was Ahmed Farid hosting it last week, this week it was Rebecca Lowe, was much better than the, uh, uh, and, and that included the post game, was much better than what they did uh, on the weekend. Yeah, for me, it's a mixed bag because the, there's some parts of it that are really good. There's some parts that are okay, and some parts that are, that are weak. So, having watched, I mean, a ton of Premier League matches from the weekend, as well as, I mean, other leagues, other uh, other broadcasters, which we'll probably get to in, in a t- tiny bit. But um, I mean, the, the positives, the really positives for me. I mean, that that Liverpool Arsenal game, um, having it on Peacock has advantages where yes, um, they can do more coverage. So, having the two Robbies and Rebecca go a little bit longer. And I don't think that they, 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 I don't know, for me, they didn't go that much deeper. To me, it didn't really come alive until post-match. When if you, for those people that, that stood around and uh, hung around post-match after about maybe 30 minutes or so after the two Robbies and Rebecca talking, then they went to Monday Night Football from Sky Sports. And you had uh, Jamie Carragher, you had Roy Keane, and they were doing a live interview with Jurgen Klopp. And the interview that they had was fantastic. It was something that was, um, they definitely, Roy Keane had some very pointed uh, comments and it made Klopp respond. It made him uh, get a little bit sensitive in terms of the questions and some of the things that Roy Keane was saying about Liverpool was sloppy in this game uh, in parts. And Klopp misunderstood what he said. Um, he thought that he, like Keane said, he was sloppy that the whole entire um, the ninety minutes, which it wasn't the case. So, so that part of it was really. I was hanging on to every word. I was listening to what Klopp was saying, what Carragher was saying, so on and so forth. Um, the two Robbies. Some of it's good. The thing I did notice, though, Kartik, and this is this is going to be sca- sacrilegious because. I love Rebecca Lowe. I mean, she has been such a positive, fantastic presenter, just a role model, a role model for um, the broadcast industry, a role model for women, everything that she's done. But I'm getting a little bit tired of some of her questions that are so predictable. And I think I wrote wrote down a couple of these um, from this past weekend. But it's the same type of questions we've been hearing for about, what, seven, now we're in our eighth year the first question was, uh, take us inside that dressing room and tell us what's going through the players' minds right now. I've heard Rebecca ask that question probably a hundred times, maybe 200 times in the last uh, seven or eight years. And for the most part, when the two Robbies, I mean, the two Robbies have the experience being in the dressing room, being in those games, but it's the same type of answers we're getting from them. So th- we're not getting the best out of the two Robbies when the questions are pretty predictable. The other question that Rebecca asked was, what did we learn today? 
And it's a very good open-ended question. But when you hear that same question over and over again, again, it doesn't really get the, the best out of the two Robbies. So, so that's the part that I think actually looking at the coverage from the last uh, well, couple of months of this of this new season, I think that's one of the reasons why it, it is getting a little bit stale, it is, it is getting a little bit predictable. It is getting a bit flat is because Rebecca is not the one that is not asking those really, really deep thought provoking questions that are very pointed that are going to get a reaction. Uh, it has become very comfortable. Now, I I think the coverage is is decent. I just think that they can do better, and and that's the thing that I think they're struggling with, or we're struggling with. I'm I'm struggling with is again. I'm not I'm not kind of first in line on a Sunday morning at seven o'clock in the morning, or on Saturday morning at six thirty or seven o'clock in the morning, just hanging on to their every word. I I'm just I'm just kind of holding back. I'm hearing good things now and again, but I think just overall I think we've got gotten spoiled in a in a way, Kartik. With I mean seven or eight years of really good coverage. Well, I mean maybe six or seven of good coverage and it's just become a little bit stale. And it, and I think Tim Howard so far has not added anything really I mean different to the, to that chemistry, to that mix. And and, and I think Kyle leaving, we're. I mean, some people don't like Kyle, but to me, I think we're we're actually missing a lot with Kyle not there. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I think uh, Martino was particularly analytical, and, and and you lose that. It's always neat to have a goalkeeper's perspective, and I think that there's there there's things that goalkeepers add to to broadcasts and to studio programs, but. Uh, Kyle had a unique perspective and a real kind of understanding of the tactics and psychology uh, of football. And that's missing from the show right now. I mean, it's just they, they, there's a drop off. So they haven't gone out and aggressively replaced him. Or, as I said uh, many times, backfield other positions. You know, there's no Neil Ashton replacement. There's no uh, Steve Bauer replacement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the the other thing I noticed about Peacock, so, so I, for the most part, I'm enjoying Peacock and I enjoy having more coverage. But the strange, it's still formatted like a television show. So, for example, at the end of the Liverpool Arsenal game, you mean there's Ola White saying, "Okay, just wrapping it up," and they break for a commercial. Except with Peacock, there are no commercials, so we get two to three minutes of uh, "We'll be right back in in a minute" message on the screen. And then they come back and then they're in the studio and they start talking about some of the points that they want to address. And it's it, to, for me, it's a little bit weird because you you would think that as soon as the game ends, they go right back to the studio and, and they say, OK, let's jump right in and let's talk about X, Y and Z. And I think part of it, too, is that they've been so used to the TV format, perhaps, that um, they have to kind of I mean, take a couple of minutes and to go over the points and trying to figure out, okay, this is what we're going to talk about in this next segment. Okay, go ahead and get prepared. And and, and that's a bit strange for me as the viewer because I'm like, okay, what are they breaking for? I'm here. I'm watching. Go straight to the studio. So maybe maybe so, maybe that's that's maybe that's going to come soon though. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure what that is. You know, at first I thought I'm not thinking clearly, and I'm thinking, oh, so they must have local affiliates showing this match like your local NBC affiliates uh, uh, 
and they, they have local breaks that they're inserting. And then I realized, no, that's not true. This is exclusively on streaming, the, the, this broadcast. Uh, this was the first week of the season. I, I was thinking maybe it's it's being shown on some local broadcast where they have to build in three minutes of commercials um, at, at halftime. I, I don't know. I don't have an explanation. I think it's very weird, honestly. It's very awkward that they have not um, – Knowing that they were launching this streaming service and knowing, unlike NBC Sports Gold, they were going to have bumper program around the matches they showed exclusively on Peacock, that they didn't build in some sort of formula for this in advance of launching the streaming service. I mean, I, it, it looks to me, uh, this is, may sound terrible, Chris, this might be sacrilege, just like what you said about Rebecca Lowe. It looks very lazy to me from NBC. It looks like a lazy production and something that they had not thought through knowing uh, how long have you been reporting on the fact that Peacock was going to launch and they were going to move a lot of the Premier League games behind that paywall? A, a year been, at least. Well, yes. Well, probably not, maybe not a year, but it's been since begin- the beginning of this year. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, eight months before they actually launched it, seven or eight months, and um, th- this is what we get. So, I, I think it's pretty lazy. And, and uh, while we we appreciate the coverage, it's like they haven't done anything. Um, too unique you're right with peacock and uh, we'll see i mean this this is a work in progress espn didn't get everything right with espn plus right away but they eventually did uh and they eventually had these accompanying studio shows with the with the broadcasts we talked about the fa cup final uh, the, the studio hosted by k murray for an hour and a half i want to say before kickoff and then building ESPN FC into the broadcast. Remember, we used to complain about this on this show about a year or a year and a half ago that ESPN was just flipping the switch on ESPN Plus broadcasts right. of Serie A, yeah. of, uh, of uh, whatever else they were showing at the time. And eventually they brought in kind of uh, the ESPN FC uh, studio team. Uh, they brought Mark Donaldson and Matteo uh, Benetti onto ESPN Plus broadcasts in Serie A, which they didn't do initially. And they, they made it a, a little more complete of a broadcast. And we, we talked about Kay Murray now in the studio that they've used for a couple of ESPN Plus broadcasts. I, uh, I don't know if NBC is similarly going to evolve in how they present their streaming product or if this is going to be it and we just have to accept it. Yeah, part of it too is that, is it definitely disrupts the rhythm so the rhythm that they're used to is doing 90 minutes of the game as soon as the game ends Arlo gives the kind of uh kind of wraps it up it goes to commercial it comes back about three minutes later and then they dive right in well we don't need that any longer maybe that maybe maybe that's part of it too it's just that the rhythm that they were used to uh is not used to kind of going straight into the studio and just jumping right in, in, in on it so, um, so that's different. It, it, yeah, and it, it's not not the end of the world, but it is uh, something to improve upon. I think. I think the other thing we want to talk about too, Kartik, or at least I want to talk about too, is um, is is the Bundesliga. I mean, I mean, the Bundesliga to me seems to be making all the right moves, all the right steps in the way that they've. You can tell from behind the scenes that they've put a lot of effort into making sure that this is the most polished. Uh, coverage possible for this league. So everything from the commentators to the co-commentators to um, the coverage, the production, and everything like that. Something that ha- happens behind the scenes too is that from this past, like probably like two weeks, I've had a lot of emails from ESPN saying, "Hey, here's some content. Here's some content about the Bundesliga. A lot of these content pieces are either video or or copy." 
you mean articles basically or just um, kind of backgrounds on the different players the, the different young americans playing in the bundesliga a lot of things that i could take as as you mean the publisher and editor of world soccer talk and put those into the into my articles i'm not doing that because everything i do is is custom is, is kind of i create on my own so while i appreciate the background and the information that they're sharing how many times kartik in your professional career as a journalist, have you gotten anything from the Premier League directly? Never. Yeah, and, and same thing for and, me. And I get and and so just on this comparison alone, I, I don't know if I get a Bundesliga email every day. I might. It, it might be every day actually, but I'm getting them at least three, four, five times a week. Yeah. It, it, whether it's from ESPN, uh, like you were talking about, or from the Bundesliga's uh, press shop directly. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty constant. And so it, it helps me prepare for the weekend, even as a fan, to be honest with you. I know they're not, I know they don't send these emails to, to fans. They send it to us as journalists, but I, I, I'm, I'm more prepared for what's uh, in front of me on the weekend on ESPN and ESPN plus than I, I am for, from the premier league. But to be honest with you, I mean, I'm already thinking about Bundesliga fixtures a couple of days in advance because of these emails, the premier league, to be honest with you, uh, when I used to anticipate these premier league games, Oh, there's a big Liverpool versus man city match or something a week out. Now it's just like, I kind of flipped the switch and like, Oh, Saturday morning Leeds is playing great type of thing. I mean, and this, this has this directly, uh, is is due to the one league being very open and interactive with with, with writers and, and and journalists and podcasters like us, Chris, and the other just you know expecting coverage, right? Feeling entitled to coverage, mm-hmm. not really working for the coverage. Yeah, for me personally, I mean, I'm still hooked, uh, hooked line and sinker into watching these matches. So from this past weekend, watching Burnley against Southampton, which was a pretty drab game, Sheffield United against Leeds, Spurs against Newcastle, Man City against Leicester. And that's the thing, at the end of the day, the product for the most part is, I mean, so far this season, it's been goal fest. I mean, it's been just goals flying in. Uh, the entertainment value is there for me. And... Um, I mean, seeing the Man City-Leicester game, that was a good example. Yes, Man City is poor right now, inconsistent, but that was kind of a wake-up call. At the same time, of course, Hoffenheim beaten Bayern 4-1, which was, I mean, to me, the result of the weekend. It, it just, it's just interesting. And the reason I bring that up too about the Bundesliga versus the Premier League is just to give the listener an idea of kind of behind the scenes what the leagues are doing. One more thing back, back to the Premier League for a minute, Kartik, is that... We know that NBC Sports are, um, they've got this season left and then next season. Next season is their final season of covering uh, the Premier League exclusively uh, in the United States. Um, And it will be going into a a bid probably later this year or or uh, uh, early next year, a bidding process to see who will get the rights for um, not next season, but the season after and, and, and onwards. It could be for another four years. It could be for another six years. And while... NBC will be interested. There's going to there's going to be a whole bunch of other players coming in on this one. Um, you mean the Amazons, the Dazones, uh, you name it. I mean, there's going to be pretty much any major media company. CBS uh, is going to be interested in this. If NBC did acquire the rights and did renew renew the rights for another six years, say or, or four years, I just wonder if they would look at you mean the the numbers and the financials and say, you know what. 
with the NBC coverage that we have, and we have the Rebeccas and the Arlos and the, the two Robbies and the Tim Howards, why don't we just go ahead and just use the Sky Sports news or Sky Sports coverage? And, and we've seen this a couple of times. They've done this on, on some of the Friday games where they've said, okay, they have none, none of the NBC Sports crew in the studio. They just went full on and just showed Sky Sports coverage of that game. Now, they can't do that for every game because Sky doesn't have every game. BT has some of them. But it could be a cost-cutting measure that NBC could consider, perhaps, to still provide good coverage, if not, if it, if anything, probably better coverage. Uh, yes, it would have a very even more of a British tinge to it, but it's something to consider. It's something that that they have up their sleeve that they could go down that path if they do uh, renew those rights and possibly something to think about. Well, yeah, sorry. One of the advantages that from talking to people in the industry that they might have in terms of uh, keeping the rights, because I, I've, I've gone on record saying I think Amazon might win, uh, if not the whole package, you know, maybe they split the package and, and, and Prime Video has part of the Premier League rights in this next rights cycle, uh, is the tide of Sky, Sky Sports. Uh, the thinking is that NBC is stronger as an incumbent this go around than they may have been even last time when they got that six-year deal uh, because of their their tie to sky now at the same time there's been no discernible uptick in ratings since they last bid on this uh, on, on this property so uh, they they may not be willing to to put the money up for it but yeah i think the sky thing is something to keep in mind not just in terms of what they might do if they keep the rights but why they might keep the rights I think the biggest thing that NBC Sports has going for them as a possibility to renew the rights is exclusive on Peacock, having every single game on Peacock uh, for the next rights deal. And then just just really, I mean, really being the the only place you can go ahead and and watch the Premier League. And um, I I mean, I I don't have access to the numbers that Peacock has had, but I'm sure they've seen a big surge of, of the number of people actually subscribing to Peacock in the last, uh, what, six weeks, just because of the Premier League. Now, if you said, okay, all 380 games every season on Peacock, that's the only way you can watch it, that would be something that uh, financially they'd have to run the numbers and say, okay, I mean, is, is that, uh, does that, I mean, is that going to break even? Is that going to be a profit on that? The, the projections would be difficult on that one, but at least they have an idea thus far on the big games that they have had. I do think a, a point to be made here is Serie A and Bundesliga uh, have matches on television, and yet ESPN FC, uh, excuse me, ESPN Plus streams every match. So that could be the option: is all 380 matches are on Peacock, and we'll show 30 matches or 40 matches on television uh, each yeah. year. That could be what they do, but but uh, you wouldn't necessarily have to have television to see any of the matches. You if you uh, had Peacock, which is Something we talked about, I think, with the Bundesliga itself a couple of weeks ago, Chris, when you and I were on a on a call with them uh, in terms of the ESPN Plus uh, deal. In in fact, not just uh, the, the matches that are going to be on linear television are kind of irrelevant to the people who might have ESPN Plus and not have cable, uh, which would include you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially, in the cord cutters, because every Bundesliga match will be on ESPN Plus. Every Serie A match is on ESPN Plus. The Premier League doesn't have that sort of arrangement in this country right now, which might be a problem for them uh, down the road. So maybe that's an option also. Okay, so let's move on to TV streaming news. Nisa's championship match on October 2nd will be live on BN Sports Extra at 5.55 p.m. Eastern Time, 2.55 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Most of the fall showcase matches have been on BN Sports Extra 
in that time slot or thereabouts. Uh, meanwhile, for the first time in league history, USL League One final will be broadcast on linear television, airing live on ESPN Deportes on Friday, October 30th at 8 p.m. So that's ESPN Deportes for the USL League One final, BN Sports Extra for the Inisa Championship final, which uh, is October 2nd, this Friday, four weeks later, uh, the USL League One final. Those are our two third divisions in the United States, by the way. Do you think, Kartik, there's any um, any competition there with, uh, say, USL saying, okay, all right, well, if Nice has, has, has their games on being Sports Extra and they're pushing a little bit heavy to, to get that word out there, maybe we should try to go ahead and have our League One final on, on ESPN, Deportes? Yes, I do think they're absolutely related. And BN has been very good. Now, again, with the limited kind of bandwidth BN has compared to other networks. BN has been very good about... Uh, promoting NISA with her social media team and other uh, efforts to, uh, at outreach. So uh, I think NISA's happy uh, with what BN has done for them. And then that has put them in more conversations, which therefore made USL respond because USL's uh, policy to this point has been to ignore NISA, pretend like they don't exist, try and poach their teams, which they've done with Miami FC and now with Oakland Roots. But uh, NISA getting on to BN I think prompted USL uh, to pull the trigger and get League One, which has not uh, been televised at all anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, onto Deportes for their final. So I, I definitely they're related. Yeah, and NBA and Sports Extra, which is which is going to have the NISA final. So that that's available through uh, Pluto TV. It's available through some of the smart TVs. It's available through Roku. Um, and some other devices too. So it is. I mean, if you search around, um, you'll be able to find that game, and it's free. There's no um, no registration required or anything like that. Uh, ESPN Deportes, of course, not everybody has that. You have to have uh, cable uh, and or streaming or satellite to watch that. But um, yeah, it's so Nisa versus uh, USL. So moving on to the next news item, and a couple of updates here. We, we've we actually started this story back in March of 2020, might have, might have even been February of 2020, where I mentioned uh, on this podcast, for anyone who remembers back in the news uh, segment, uh, we talked about the World Cup qualifiers uh, from CONMEBOL, so the South American countries. And uh, in February or March, I mentioned that uh, the games were going to be available on pay-per-view. Uh, the price mentioned at that time was $100 per game. So I was getting ready to report it and write a whole story on it. And then the pandemic happened and then the lockdown and then those games were not played. So I was like, what's the point of actually publishing the story at this time? Let me go ahead and wait. Then it was going to be that those games were going to be played, I think, in August and September. Uh, finally, now we know that uh, the Commonwealth World Cup qualifiers will be played uh, in early October, uh, both the first round and the second round. And the coverage the tv coverage has changed slightly since um, march of 2020 so what we know is that the games will still be on pay-per-view so your typical pay-per-view whether through direct tv or the, or the dish network uh the games will be 20 29.95 per match but the um the curveball with this is that also they will be available through streaming on pay-per-view too so the the deals for those are still being worked out but one of the streaming providers that will have it is a company called fight and and that's spelled f-i-t-e and they will go ahead and have um, the games available at that 29.95 price point per game Uh, they will have packages available if you want to have access to all the games the challenge is a lot of these games overlap so 
a game may start, say Bolivia against Argentina might start at six o'clock uh, Eastern time. Uh, the second game might start in the second half of, of, of that game. So it might start at, say, 7.15. So you can't watch all the games. You mean, it's, it's, not, it's not staggered kickoffs. It's all overlapping. So that's the latest. We, we'll have more details. There's going to, there's going to be some more uh, information released regarding this in the next couple of days. And uh, we will publish that story at worldsoccertalk.com once it is official. So that's the first part of it. And, and the shame of it is, too, this is going back in time. This is going back to the 1990s, um, going back to pay-per-view. But this is the deal that Conor Bowl struck with a uh, pay-per-view provider in the United States. And, and previously, in, in, in the past, BN Sports uh, often had the rights to these games uh, from Conor Bowl for the World Cup qualifiers. But in the last, um, what, 12 to 18 months, BN Sports has been turning down a lot of um, uh, opportunities to bid on rights. And their rationale is that they're losing money, that rights they've bought in the past that they overpaid for, they believe they're not seeing the revenue from those because of people uh, watching games um, illegally, basically um, through piracy. And so they, they're making a conscious effort to make a statement in the public and in, in the industry to actually not to actually turn down opportunities for for rights, and, and as a result, now we're faced with a pay per view situation. The second part of this Kartik is a story that's uh, dear and dear to my heart because we broke the story about the Scottish Premiership uh, becoming available in a five year deal with ESPN Plus. Thus far, it's been really frustrating because the deal we announced was in, I think, late August, early September. Actually, I think early September, um, around about Labor Day. And um, it's challenging and frustrating because ESPN Plus has not uh, actually gone ahead and aired any games. And what has happened thus far, just to give everyone an update, is that um, the Scottish Professional Football League contacted me to say the deal had been done. I had contacted ESPN and uh, one of my sources there said they were just finalizing uh, the paperwork, but effectively the deal was done. Now, in the meantime, I mean, we, we run with the story and uh, we get confirmation from a couple other sources uh, that were very reliable that said, yes, it's happening. And then what happened, I believe, is that, uh, according to one of my sources, is that ESPN discovered that um, many of these games are actually shown already in the United States through Celtic TV or Rangers TV, or I think there's Reds TV, which is Aberdeen. And most of the clubs in the Scottish Premiership have their own streaming packages that they sell to subscribers around the world. Um, And oftentimes that subscription fee to, to watch Rangers TV for a whole season, home and away games, is $200 or more uh, a season. So once ESPN realized this, I believe that uh, they probably looked at the numbers and said, okay, well, why are we paying or or offering to pay X amount of dollars if we don't have the exclusive rights to this competition? So it's quite possible that the the actual games won't start until next season on ESPN+. Plus. There's always a possibility that some of the games could air this season, but right now it's looking unlikely. Um, As part of the deal... Uh, ESPN does have the Scottish League Cup and some of the other, the other cup competitions. So we're hoping to see some of those games, which would be exclusive, which would not be part of the, the Scottish Premiership deal that they have with the clubs. 
So it, it's just one of those deals that it's very complicated. And, and unfortunately, too, for fans of the Scottish Premiership clubs, uh, it's frustrating because we were looking forward to this. But it will happen. It's just not going to happen as soon as we first indicated. So, so I have a little bit of experience with this with, with the Rangers and Celtic fans I know. They are always looking for how who the rights holder is because they are concerned about cup matches because they subscribe to, and now actually ESPN plus would be a lot cheaper for them, right? Than subscribing to Celtic TV. But um, as of now, they can watch the the league matches, but the league matches only. So they're always looking for streams or some way to watch the cup competition. So that that's just another complication. When you mentioned, when you were going through the scenario, I was thinking, well, what about the cup matches? And then you mentioned that at the end. So uh, to those of you that are Celtic and Rangers fans, who listen to us and know us, uh, know me, uh, this is uh, going to get a little more complicated again. Yeah, and part of it too, I guess, is just the way that the deal is structured where, I mean, it's not in the best interest of the Scottish Premiership to try to sell an international streaming package uh, when when there's clubs that have direct uh, packages available to consumers. It'd be like, I mean, Man United uh, streaming every of their games um, home and away to... Uh, soccer fans from around the world, but then having the Premier League coming in and say, hey, sign up for our package of streaming rights. And, and most people would say, like, why? I've got Man United. I mean, they can get it that way. That that undermines the value of those rights. And then last but not least, Kartik, uh, just one, 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 one more news item, and that is uh, Fanatis. The uh, streaming service has added Lazio TV and Inter TV to their Club Italia streaming package. So this package is uh, specifically for fans of Serie A and fans of the Italian uh, League. And what it includes is Lazio TV, Inter TV, but also uh, Italian language uh, broadcasts of Serie A games on uh, RAI Italia, which is usually about one or two games a weekend. But if you want to watch your games in Italian, RAI Italia has the rights uh, to those games and Fanatis uh, um, broadcasts those games for you and now has added Lazio and Inter to that package. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV ratings and uh, what jumps out at you from these numbers? Anything uh, of interest here? Yeah, I think um, first off, 416,000 for Spurs Newcastle uh, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. to me is, is, is fairly high uh, on NBCSN. That, that's that's a really good number. Obviously, very controversial game at the end. I will admit I was watching uh, uh, Bayern and Hoffenheim at the same time. Yeah. Uh, me too. <laughs> I had yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I did all of this excitement uh, 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 about how that match ended, I, I had missed. Uh, the, the other. Uh, 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 aspect of this that's uh, uh, that's interesting is 299,000 for Chicago Washington uh, on CBS NWSL match little lower than previous weeks but still right at the 300,000 mark which is uh, it's really holding up well particularly when you can pair NWSL to MLS so yep. I, I think it's uh, it, it's actually quite good uh, it, it's a very very healthy sign for women's football in this country. Yeah, yeah. As as a comparison, most of the major league soccer games on FS1 uh, are averaging, I think, about a hundred thousand or a little bit less than a hundred thousand viewers for games like that. Of course, CBS is in more homes, but still, that is a, uh, I mean, basically three hundred thousand viewers for that game on a on a very busy Saturday afternoon when there's um, lots of other soccer and lots of other things happening around the world. Um, so that yeah, definitely strong numbers there. 
Listener mailbag. First up is Mark in Connecticut. Mark says, hey, Chris, uh, as someone who is on Twitter quite a bit during Premier League matches, it's becoming very hard uh, to do uh, due to the streaming delay on Peacock, at least 60 seconds and no options to fast forward or rewind. Not impressive at, at all. I saw about 20 tweets about Jota's uh, third goal before I saw it on TV, uh, basically a peacock. Kartik, this is an issue. This is something, though, that, that is not just uh, peacock, but streaming in general. I, I know I've been watching games on Fubo TV sometimes. And you I mean it, there's a delay. A lot of it, the delay is based on your internet speed too, the connection it makes. So, so you and I could be, you mean in, uh, watching the game at the same exact time, and I could be maybe twenty seconds ahead of you just because of you mean know, maybe faster internet. Yeah, so I've had the same problem. I, you noticed at the beginning of the show, uh, uh, I'm less active uh, uh, with games because of uh, my political work between now and November. Uh, that is one reason I've basically been off Twitter the last 10 days or so. The other reason is this. Uh, specifically, I do not want to be on Twitter in the middle of uh, football matches in, during the weekend anymore. And it's not because, oh, I get into these back and forth, which I, I've gotten into for years. It's been because uh, the Everton Spurs match, the first match of, of the season and the first big peacock match, the fir first, not the first match of the season, first match day of the season, the Sunday uh, uh, late yeah. kickoff on peacock. Uh, I, it happened to me several times where I was making a comment about the game, put it on Twitter, and then I saw something else had happened or uh, something had, it, it, it just wasn't good to the point where I couldn't even be on Twitter giving commentary about the match because I was behind. And uh, specifically about Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I was talking about how good I thought he was running the channels. Uh, he's one of my favorite players, by the way, and I think I mentioned this on previous shows, but uh, uh, how, how uh, uh, DCL was running the channels and holding up the ball, even though he hadn't scored a goal. And then people came back at me like, what are you talking about? He just scored. <laughs> and it was kind of he then got got that goal uh, that won the match right right after that, and then it happened in a Bundesliga match. So yeah, I'm off Twitter during during the matches on the weekends now, and uh, unless unless of course there are matches that are on uh, over the air NBC over the air ESPN, then I'm on. But I'm I'm actually staying off during the streaming for this reason. So thank you, Mark. You're absolutely right. That is one disadvantage of streaming versus television. Television, you're going to get a much. Uh, closer to the actual live match. I mean, even with television, there's a delay. And, and oftentimes it's what seven second delay. And in, in previous years, when we've watched games at the same time on, in, in the World Cup, for example, and you're watching a game on Fox and you're watching a game on Univision, Univision might be two or three seconds ahead of Fox. So sometimes it, it I mean, I, I guess in terms of the, the signal and how quickly they can actually process the live signal, uh, I'm guessing on that one, but but it, there is a difference even on television. Um, but when it is uh, a, a marked difference, excuse the pun, uh, like that with Peacock, it is frustrating. And it is one of those things that it's probably best not to actually be on Twitter or social media tweeting or, or posting because uh, you might be a couple of minutes behind. You might have missed something and, and uh, you know, it might be it might make you look bad or it might like it might spoil a game for you. Next up is Dave. Dave says, good podcast as always. Now that Peacock is on Roku. I'm 100% happy. I am infatuated with Bielsa and Leeds as well. I started playing with them in Football Manager years ago and became a fan. So now I'm 100% happy to have a Premier League team. 
Steve Lewis says, I listened to this week's podcast and you guys were talking about season two of Take Us Home, Leeds United. You mentioned Amazon may be releasing a few episodes a week, but there are only two episodes in all of season two for whatever reason. And I, and I finished episode one and at the very end of episode one, uh, it mentions that you mean coronavirus has struck and uh, Great Britain's going into a lockdown. So that that's what I would, would imagine the reason that there's only two episodes in this season. Uh, I haven't watched um, the second episode yet, to, uh, yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So maybe perhaps, uh, unless any of the, the viewers or listeners uh, know, let us know. Um, but um, that's my guess on that one. Alan says, after listening to all the enthusiasm about Leeds on your pod and many other forms of the football media, I would like to offer my alternative view. In the 1970s and 1980s, I travelled up and down the country following Everton. During that time, some of, some of my most unpleasant experiences watching football was when Leeds were involved. Go into any pub in Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham or London and ask people of, the, of my generation, I'm 62, what they think of Leeds. I'm confident you won't get too many positive views. In fact, the one common chant at football grounds ac- across the country is how much the fans dislike Leeds. I even know Leeds fans that hold it as a badge of honour that most fans don't like them. This is not about the football they play. I've enjoyed watching some of their games in the championship it's all about their reputation they have come they have they have a long way to go before they become everyone's favorite second team history is currently against them now now, go ahead go ahead ahead. oh yeah i was gonna say yeah i I, there's definitely some of that i mean leeds fans had a reputation for violence they had a reputation for aggressiveness they had a reputation for hooliganism and we would even my friends and i would joke about the fact that it was such a terrible thing for english football to have cardiff and leeds in the same league playing twice a year which they've been in the same league oh cardiff has come up a couple times right to the premier league but Mm -hmm. um, more or less they've been in the same league for the last decade because there was still if there are two clubs that still have a little bit of that element in in england i mean there are a few others that do too but it was cardiff and leads. So yeah, I can definitely relate uh, to what you're saying, Alan. And and uh, pe- uh, fans I know of your generation generally say the same thing about Leeds. Uh, however, I think because they're so hated, it's part of the reason why it's good to have them back in the Premier League. It gives everybody else another rival. I mean, it gives Manchester United another huge rival, but gives Liverpool and Chelsea in particular. Chelsea-Leeds was a, a big uh, rivalry, partly because of the hooliganism also in the 1970s. But um, that's a big rivalry as well. So that's part of the element of it, I have to say. Yeah, and from personal experience too, growing up in uh, Great Britain in the 1970s and, and early 80s, uh, there were two clubs that were feared the most as far as having the worst football supporters. And you mentioned them, Kartik, Leeds United and Chelsea. Now, Chelsea of today, if you talk to, say, uh, you know, somebody that's relatively young who may be you mean living in England or living in America or living around any anywhere around the world? And you mentioned Chelsea and mentioned. Tell me about their fans. Are, are they friendly? Are they? You know, what type of culture does Chelsea have? And it is very much th- at this point. I mean, they've changed the perception. They've changed the reality. Chelsea fans are usually um, kind of more elite, a little bit more kind of uh, on the. Uh, 
uh, kind of up the table in terms of the, the, usually maybe upper middle class sometimes, especially well, in, those are the fans that go to their home matches, but they still have a hooligan problem when they travel to Europe. And some true. of these fans were able to get cheaper tickets. So uh, Chelsea still has that element, but yeah, they've, they've done a good job. I mean, I, this sounds terrible, but they've effectively priced those people out of their ground. Yeah, and and for me, like going to games in the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties, um, I was young. I was, I mean, I was eleven years old, twelve years old, thirteen years old. Going to games uh, with my friends, we'd jump on a bus and go to a game. My parents had no idea where we were. They might know I, I went to a game, but you I mean it was a different time. But the only games I would was not allowed to go to because it would have been just too violent was Chelsea. Uh, and Cardiff City and Cardiff just because also because they were a local team to uh, relatively local to my team um, so those are the two that I was kind of like whatever you do do not go to those games um, and Leeds I, I went to see Leeds play uh, at home against Swansea I mean Swansea playing at home against Leeds and they were I mean violent I mean, so, so were Swansea fans too but they were violent you I mean just like you have to be you had to be very careful at that time now the perception is is reality so among my generation and and Alan's generation and many others generations Leeds has a lot of negativity attached to the name and I st- I still think now in this day and age uh, the way that the club has uh, over the years has positioned themselves where the way that um, the owner um, Andrea has rebuilt this club and the, all the things that they've done in terms of the way that they've marketed this club, bringing Bielsa in, the brand of football that they've done, it's changed the perception of a lot of newer fans. Where most newer fans have no idea about the history and the past, the ugly side of Leeds uh, off the pitch. And the same thing with Chelsea. I think I think most Chelsea fans these days, unless they do a lot of history or read a lot of books. They, they, or, or you mean maybe they're not paying attention to the away games, but you mean for the most part, their perception is very positive about Chelsea and that fan culture. Rich says, I've, I have enjoyed your website and podcast for years. Not sure if you saw the article in uh, the Wall Street Journal recently about NBC and its cable networks. It included the following paragraph. The future is also dimming for sports networks like the Golf Channel and NBC Sports Network. Hockey and soccer games are likely to appear more frequently on USA Network and Peacock, the people say. Now, Peacock, yes, we know that. And if anything, we're going to see more and more games um, next season. I'm sure. I'm sure of it uh, on Peacock compared to this year. And this year's 46%. USA, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, maybe... If they did get rid of NBC Sports Network, I, I could see them um, putting some of the games on, on USA. But uh, I think it's more so over-the-air NBC on Saturdays and, and and Peacock is the future. But uh, thank you, Rich, for sharing that. Jason says, soccer streaming is a big deal for ESPN, NBC, CBS, etc. now because the U.S. sports have their own services. You can watch Major League Baseball directly on their MLB MLB.tv service now and bypass the TV channels. But who says that one day the Bundesliga can't create their own independent streaming service to cover games with English commentary, just like uh, Major League Baseball and, and the NHL network, etc.? Now, absolutely, they could do that today. They could do that tomorrow. 
the the difference is with ESPN. ESPN would say like, wait a second. With us, you've got our reach, you've got Sports Center, you've got our marketing uh, muscle, you've got our ESPN Plus, you've got all the things, all the relationships, all of the things that we can do to grow the Bundesliga, uh, to do those um, uh, Sports Center special features, possibly a 30 for 30. Also, I mean, Soccer Made in Germany, all the coverage, I mean, ESPN Plus is the go-to place for sports fans these days. Uh, and it's relatively new, right? But and the Bundesliga could definitely launch their own streaming products and have people subscribe directly. But they don't have those those things that ESPN has, and uh, that would put them at a major disadvantage. Yeah, so we have some experience with this in the soccer space. Uh, major Major League Soccer had their own MLS Live, which had launched, uh, which originally had been kind of conceived by MLB when MLB still owned BAMTech, and BAMTech was involved with MLS uh, about 10 years ago. Eventually, MLS launches it after they, they, they pull their website and everything away from BAMTech and uh, launch it independently. They launch MLS Live. It's a standalone service. You pay $69, $79, whatever it was, uh, a year for, for it. Eventually, when ESPN Plus launched, it became more logical for Major League Soccer to do away with MLS Live uh, and folded into ESPN Plus, which married them back with BAMTech, ironically enough. But uh, that it ended up being much better for them to have ESPN's marketing muscle behind it than having a standalone service. So uh, that's a, that's an interesting uh, uh, experience with soccer. We've seen NBA, NHL, MLB. They have enough of a, a branding and a marketing muscle to, to do this. Although NBA TV, I believe, is done by Turner and, and, mm-hmm. and as then as uh, technically BR Live as well yeah and with the premier league too i mean i mean this could happen to happen to the premier league where they say okay we're going to go direct we're going to have our own streaming service bypass all the tv networks but nbc and, and others would say like hey wait a second we're doing fan fests there's no way that the premier league could, could put on these types of fan fests with all of the different things happening with all the different uh, local nbc stations um covering and publicizing uh, doing lo- local spots uh, all of the the marketing and promotion and all that effort, all that reach, something like the Premier League could not do that themselves. I mean, they they need NBC, the Bundesliga needs ESPN, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Jim Hennessy says, "Hi guys, thanks for the great work on the podcast. It, it's always a must listen every week and offers a very unique perspective, which I really enjoy. I have a question related to the new Peacock service." Out of convenience, I access most of my streaming services through my Samsung TV. Content like Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, and HBO, I can stream directly from the TV. Is there any indication when Peacock will provide an app for Samsung TV that allows me to access Premier League games through my television? So, Jim, what I do know is that um, they have had talks but there's nothing to announce yet. So I don't have any indication it's going to happen soon, uh, but it could. I mean, the same thing with the Peacock too. The Peacock was, um, it seemed to be weeks away, months away, and all of a sudden um, Peacock put the foot down and within two days, uh, Roku went ahead and, and added uh, Peacock to that. So with Samsung, hopefully uh, those discussions are continuing and hopefully it'll happen soon but it's definitely one that's on the uh, near the top of the list for uh for peacock to to be and, out and by the way 
my LG smart TV has Peacock built in. Yeah, and which Viz- is uh, and really Vizio useful. too. Yeah, it definitely yeah. It, it makes things easier. It definitely does. Absolutely. Jason Ryder says in the early stages of the season, I noticed that my viewing habits are being affected by the factor of fans being in stadiums or not. I am a ESPN Plus subscriber. I used to pr- always prioritize the Championship, League Cup, FA Cup games that they have on. But game after game of empty stadiums has taken its toll on my senses. The English games seem very dull now to a point now that the Bundesliga and Eredivisie leagues have started. I have watched uh, just them. I wonder if uh, you are doing the same thing and if other listeners you have interacted with react this way too. Now, Kartik, let me let me just go on and read one more comment. And this is thro- from JP. Um which is related. JP says another weekend and another day where I'm surprised by the matches that grabbed my attention the most. Heading headed into today, expected expected to watch uh, Torino against uh, Atalanta, which he, which I did, and Real Betis against uh, Real Madrid. The matches around noon didn't jump off the page for me. However, couldn't uh, turn off the Sampdoria against uh, Benevento match. It was so good. And at halftime, I checked in on Fortuna uh, Citad or Citad against uh, AZ Alkmaar, and I got sucked into that too. Make sure to go back to it once the Sampdoria match was over, and I was rewarded big time. Then the Inter against uh, a Fiorentina match held more of my attention than Real Madrid, and, and when that ended, I went over to Ajax against uh, Vitez, and an intense finish as well. Eredivisie is... Uh, and has the most memorable matches for me these past two weeks. I've heard that a bunch of times, Kartik. I mean, when I've watched the Eredivisie, um, I like that the stadiums are close to the pitch. So it reminds me of England a lot. It's a lot of open-ended games. It's a lot of good skill. Um, when the fans are in the stadium, it's a really great atmosphere. And, and, the, and the fans, I believe, are uh, in a lot of these grounds in the, in the Dutch League. Uh, but two people there, and we've had other comments too on WolfSoccerTalk.com too. ESPN Plus opens up a whole new window. It's not just for the Bundesliga. I think it is one of those things where people start to kind of check out other things. And oftentimes, I think they're pleasantly surprised. All right, Kartik. Uh, next up, soccer thoughts on uh, on the topic of what would happen if the N- NBCSN lost their rights to the NHL and the Premier League in the next couple of years. Soccer thoughts says it actually makes sense for Fox to go all in with the Premier League. Six years, 2026 World Cup. While I would not be against that happening, uh, it would be great to see Fox getting back into uh, the soccer game other than Major League Soccer and the Gold Cup and uh, you mean the World Cup, of course. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, I think it was this week or last week that Fox paid several billion dollars for the rights to more NFL games. Um, I think they're just making a big commitment uh, into sports that they know and, and uh, can handle. And um, they're left with a lot of these soccer rights that who knows if they'll renew those. But everything is building up to the 2026 World Cup. But uh, for the most part, I I don't see them getting involved at all, Kartik. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they even placed a bid this time. The last time they placed a joint bid with ESPN, my guess is ESPN would would lodge their own independent bid this time. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure where Fox Sports as a uh, as a broadcaster is going to be six years from now. I think maybe the, the World Cup ended up being the FIFA rights ended up being too expensive for them, and I. 
I, I don't think that they would retain those either. But it's a long way off. So uh, who knows? But in terms of the Premier League, I don't see them as a factor at all. I, I think it'll be, uh, as I said, I, I think Amazon has a great shot. Uh, we've talked a lot about NBC, ESPN, other streaming for services. The zone is definitely going to is going to go in for it. So uh, I, I don't think Fox is really a factor. Yeah, my my guess right now, my educated guess right now would be CBS and CBS. Uh, again, it comes down to the numbers. It comes down to, I mean, obviously with uh, Paramount Plus launching next year. Well, CBS All Access has already launched is launched a long time ago. But with the new name, uh, this gives it, Paramount Plus a huge opportunity to gobble up more of the the consumers out there in terms of the numbers, and that would be a huge. I mean, the Champions League, League is huge, but the Premier League is one of the the must seed leagues. I mean, still, for even for people who hate the Premier League, it's one of those uh, things that uh, it's they still watch it. Um, I think CBS is is my bet for um, the next rights deal. All right, two more to go. Hey guys, this is Danny. Love the podcast. I was wondering if the Peacock app is going to be available on Samsung TV. Uh, I love the app. I just hate having to stream directly from a phone and iPad to the TV and not having the app directly on the TV. I know you said to be patient with Peacock, but is there any possibility that Samsung will provide the Peacock app on its TVs? Also to switch topics, and this is a stretch, but could you see Diego Simeone leaving Atletico after his contract is up in a couple of years? It seems like Simeone and Man United would be an amazing fit. Could you ever see that? Thanks again. Love the pod. I, I think that time has passed, Kartik. I think that would have happened um, probably a couple of years ago uh, before Jose got the job. And I, I see Diego staying at Atleti until he retires at this, at this stage. Um I still think he's going to take the inter job at some point. My guess is Conte is going to have them. We, we just talked about someone uh, talked about the, the Fiorentina match, right? The 4-3 match uh, this past weekend. I think Conte very well could win Serie A this season. Uh, and, and we know how Conte burns out at clubs, right? He's already uh, having, having issues with uh, the ownership there. And in a year or two, he leaves and Simeone goes. Otherwise, yeah, I agree. I think Simeone stays at Atleti. But I still think that Inter job, and of course he played at Inter, is very, very attractive for him for multiple reasons. And he could bring them back potentially to the top of Europe. All right, Kartik, this last question is for you. And I know you've been busy with watching a lot of leagues and games and with uh, your work in politics, so I'm not sure if you've had a chance to, to, to look at this. I haven't. I know I haven't. But Chris says, can we expect some World Soccer Talk analysis of the NISA coverage on being Sports Extra? I'm sure there are folks, some folks in Detroit who are interested. Thus far, commentating has been quite meh from my view, but I'm curious about the viewership numbers and other perspectives. Yeah, okay. I, I, I know uh, Detroit City fans are always interested in commentators if they uh, are not <laughs> they're not uh, sufficiently uh, uh, sufficiently partial to, towards uh, Detroit City in, in in some cases. I mean, I saw this in NPSL also, where uh, the commentators for the opposing teams would just got get beaten up. I agree. Some of the commentary has been me and has been kind of off. And Chattanooga now, I had the the pleasure of of, of calling one or two Chattanooga games myself. So. When Chattanooga plays and Detroit plays, the announcers have no excuse. There's, there's history. There are players. There are resources 
that that would have you prepared. But I will tell you with some of the other NISA teams, it's not that simple. So I think that that accounts for some of it. I, I don't want to uh, beat up on the commentators. They might have been kind of meh, but it's there are other factors. There are preparation factors. Oftentimes the clubs don't have uh, the, the right information for commentators. Oftentimes the league, and I, I can tell you in this case, it, it's very possible that that's the case, didn't have the right information for the broadcasters. So that's... Uh, that's something that uh, I, I think will will improve with time uh, in NISA. And I know Detroit City fans do complain about the opposing commentators, and sometimes they're right. I mean, they, there's a wealth of, of resource, knowledge, et cetera, you can have um, – uh, when it, when you're calling a Detroit City match, in fact, you can just reach out to an, an NGS member and get a, a lot of history there uh, if you're a commentator. But I think with some of the other teams, it's it's a little tough. So uh, now, if Detroit plays Chattanooga and the commentary is bad, that that would be an issue because both those clubs ha- have fantastic histories and it's very easy to come across information if if you make the effort. But yeah, I don't want to beat up on them too much. I, I I do I do know this is a problem. This is always a problem when Detroit or Chattanooga is involved in a tournament and they're they're fans they have more fans than anyone in lower division soccer in this country so and they watch these streams uh, and they get unhappy with the commentary I, I, I've, I've been in the middle of it so I, I totally understand but um, be patient is what I would say yeah and, and and no viewership numbers and no other perspectives because um, the viewership numbers haven't been published publicly so Nisa would know what those numbers are be in sports would know what those numbers are and if it's anything to worth uh, to write home about, they would publish them or share them. They haven't sh- uh, shared those, so it's it's more about reach. It's more about just trying to get Nisa in front of uh, viewers and try to build that audience. And um, I'm, I'm sure those numbers are small. I mean, I mean, it, there's a lot of people that don't realize that Nisa exists or, or what it is. Um, it's got a huge challenge ahead of it. But, but they won't be that small when uh, – this is the point, I think, of the whole conversation, if we want to tie it back together. It won't be that small when Detroit plays Chattanooga. I mean, those two teams have massive fan bases. They're streaming savvy, the supporters of those clubs. And then there's these independent soccer supporters all over the country, kind of soccer hipsters, that those are the two clubs they like, one one of the one or the other. So that NISA has going for it. It's just that I don't think there's any interest in any of the other clubs, including the Cosmos, outside of a small niche for each of those teams. So the numbers, I'm sure, are low, unless Detroit and Chattanooga are involved. But when they play each other or they're involved in a game, I think the numbers might be a little higher than than uh, people may may know. I mean, I'll just tell you this from my experience with NPSL and, and with NISA: the streaming numbers when Chattanooga is involved are are significantly higher than you think they were. And I bet there are more people watching Chattanooga games streaming than people who are watching USL games on television uh, with just random USL teams. So it, it, there are actually two teams in in NISA with pretty massive fan bases for uh, lower division teams in this country. Interesting, and, and I should say not just massive fan bases, committed fan bases. They're not just, hey, I'm a Detroit, I'm a Chattanooga FC fan. They are a card carrying member of of, uh, of the Chattahooligans, and they're they're watching every match. That's good to hear. Good to hear. All right, Kartik, we want you to have your say, listeners. Uh, so you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, uh, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com or if you're Mark from Connecticut, you can always uh, DM us on uh, at worldsoccertalk and uh, we'll share um, those comments and feedback uh, with listeners. And, it, and it's something I think we can all benefit from too, whether it's uh, opinions, observations, questions, 
particularly about streaming or television uh, or the industry or commentators, etc. This is what we do on a weekly basis. We hope you enjoy it. And if you've stuck around uh, to this stage of the podcast, you obviously do. So don't forget, you can listen to the podcast every Thursday uh, through Google Home, through Alexa, as well as uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, uh, go ahead and share it with your friends on social media. And please, 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 we, we'd love to get um, some reviews on iTunes. So let us know honestly what you think. If you like the show or don't like the show, whatever it may be, uh, definitely uh, share your viewpoints. Give us uh, some stars uh, and let us know how we're doing. Last but not least, Kartik, uh, heading into another weekend. And this weekend is one weekend I think that uh, all of us listening should gobble up as much soccer as we can because starting Monday is the uh, is the end of the international uh, transfer deadline. Uh, it's transfer deadline day. There's going to be, I think, eight hours of coverage on Sky Sports News, which is going to be live on Peacock, followed by three hours of NBCSN coverage. And then after that, it's international break. We've got uh, UEFA Nations League. We've got uh, we've got the Commonwealth Bowl World Cup qualifiers. We have some of the playoffs for the Euro 2020. We've got Scotland against Israel and a whole bunch of other games. So if you're into international football, um, there's a lot to look forward to. If you're not, watch as much soccer as you can this weekend. But what about you, Kartik? Um, what are you going to do this weekend, and, and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.